Hello and welcome to the 10th. Are we in the 10th episode of Malaysian Christian Talk? Hi, welcome to Malaysian Christian Talks, where our goal is making disciples through cyberspace as we navigate on musings of our biblical faith. My wife is here once uh, more, back again to join us. Don't worry, our MCM team will be coming on very, very soon. Today specifically, we're going to talk about what seems to be a really can of worms kind of topic, but I would disagree a little bit based on what we're going to discuss. And it's none other than the role of women within the Christian community, within the family and within the church. And my hopes for today is that as the hearers here, uh, at least those Malaysian Christians basically who are females would learn to think about it because sometimes we just enter in church, we just do what we do, uh, but we never really take time on what is the stance on the church in general or whether do, do they even have a stance uh, of how they will allow a woman to serve. And if I'm not mistaken, we usually fall into this two categories generally on this spectrum but the main two categories is uh, there is what you call an egalitarian view of women and there is the complementarian view of women there is also this third view not widely held but uh, they claim i mean in some sense there's a biblical groundings to it the patriarchal view on it Although the word patriarchal can be very triggering but i don't think we will explore that today and and the reality is, as we discuss about the role of women uh, in churches, we won't be able to cover everything. But we want to provide you a bit of soundbite to help kickstart your, your thought process, right? Be it you're a male or a female uh, within this space. And hopefully when you learn this, you'll be able to minister to one another as a brother and sister in Christ. Yeah? So without further ado, um, why take it away, uh, Yamping, tell us more about this whole idea of uh, egalitarian and complementarian and how does it mix, yeah. Yeah, I would like to say first that the more I read, the less I feel I know about it. Um, and also, you know, we can't cover all the passages in the Bible that talks about women. So I'll leave two links in, in the description below, which I really found very helpful on these two views. And also just to say that in terms of the Bible, there aren't many directives on women in how, how women play their role in society, although there are lots of, you know, examples of very prominent women, women in leadership. But we're going to keep our scope a bit more into family and church for this scope. So I better define my terms, <laughs> how I see it. So complementarian people hold the view that women are of equal value with men. They are created by God with equal value, but they generally serve different roles. Right. Uh, whereas the egalitarian would say that there is no distinction in either the roles or the value between men and women. Both are you know, equally loved and used by God in all forms of ministry, whether it's church or family. So obviously there's a spectrum and I think I'll start by clarifying my stand first because uh, that's going to be the lens to which I look at, you know, right, the various right, passages. Sure. So personally, I see myself as a complementarian, uh, which means I do hold on to um, submission to your husband and also certain restrictions to how a woman should be holding authoritative positions in church or even 
preaching in a, an authoritative manner. Fun fact, um, she both of us are generally complementarian, but she's more complementarian than me. And I will explain why later. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, it was a funny story where um, I've, I've, ch- I've served in churches where they were egalitarian as well. And they came out and they were like, oh, would you like to, you know, preach in this sermon? And I was like, oh, that's not my stand. And they were like, but that's ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, it's very interesting. Okay, I think let's start first with how it all began in the Bible. So let's look right in Genesis 2, uh, where God created men and women. And Genesis 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So that kind of was the first statement of uh, the role of men. You have a major responsibility to be responsible over earth and how creation is taken care of. Whereas when we come to Genesis 2 verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So in this sense, the woman's role is to help the man, assist the man in taking care of creation, so on and so forth. Um, I think it's worth noting that the verse says the helper is suitable for him and it indicates an equal value. It's not like a dog or any other animal that wasn't suitable, not compatible in assisting the man. And what we realize is uh, the word helper in, in Hebrew is ezer, right? Uh, and like the Lord will create an ezer for the man. And the same term ezer is also used throughout the Bible where like, for example, um, some of the Bible characters says, the Lord is my help. No, the Lord is my ezer. So here at the, at the very least, right, it does not, when, when God says, uh, I'll create a helper suitable for the man, it does not imply any sense of inferiority because why would then God take that Ezra and imply and put it to his character as well? Mm. So I just want to add that in as well. Mm. Yeah. And uh, a fun way of looking at it, you could probably say, you know, maybe God was looking at man and he sees how he's doing things, maybe not very organized or whatever, and goes like, this man needs help. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I would add, right, I will not be even half the man I am today. Okay, thank you, parents, father, mother, appreciate it. Yeah, but uh, in this case, uh, I will not be half the man I am today without uh, her support, her help, her digging out my failures and showing love to it uh, and saying, hey, uh, I know you can do better and I want you to step up, you see, rather than putting me down. So that's how she's been a help to me as she learns to submit to my authority and my decisions as well. Yeah. Yep. So that's the overarching how men and women were established in the Bible in terms of their roles, after which comes the curse of sin. So just a chapter later in Genesis chapter 3, we see that Eve and Adam sinned against God. They wanted to claim uh, the knowledge of good and evil for themselves. And with that came some consequences. So for the woman, I'll just focus on that. Genesis 3 verse 16, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children and your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Mm. So this is a curse of relationship in the sense that prior to that, there was a cooperation. Um, You're both working together to take care of the earth. But now there is a sense of strife in the relationship. And he will rule over you sounds like oh you know um the male is going to rule over the female you can say it's a curse you can say it's an order but i want to focus more on the your desire will be for your husband because 
from what we understand about desire, it sounds as if this is a sexually hungry wife or whatever. <laughs> but if you take the word desire, it's actually similar to another uh, passage in Genesis 4 verse 7, where another fellow, Cain, sinned and God said, you know, sin is crouching at your door. It desires you. And in this context, it's sin desiring to take control of Cain and be his master. And with that same word, you, it, it makes more sense now to look at um, Genesis 3.16, where mm. you know, the woman desires to take control That's and good. master yeah. over um, her husband, and the husband also wants to rule over the wife. So yeah. it's a relationship of strife. Yeah. 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 And that was an effect of the sin. It was a curse of the sin. And I think I'll jump straight to Ephesians chapter 5, where we do see the, a sense of that relationship being restored. Mm. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Submit to one another in Christ. And there are clearly defined roles within the wife and the husband, the wife to submit to the husband, the husband to sacrificially love the, the wife, yeah. the way Christ laid down his life for the church. And if you see that contrast, you see that from a cursed relationship of strife, I'm always trying to you know, get over the other person and be more powerful. Now there's a mutual submission, a mutual love with still clearly defined roles in Christ. Is there anything else you would like to add on that? I guess just something for the, the listeners to think about. Uh, how does that look like within a home? How does it play in a way how she acts as a helper and how I act as the head of the family? And by head of the family, I'm not saying, make me a woman sandwich. Make me a sandwich woman. <laughs> oh, oh, make me a sandwich woman. I'm going to keep that in. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but rather, right, the, the, biblically speaking, in Ephesians 5 itself, it says sacrificially love, sacrificially love the woman. So which means as a head, her needs are my priority. What does she want? What does she need? Not me lording over her and, and which I could with my uh, male physique, I can do that, but no. So she, I sacrificially love her while she learns to be my helpmate, not be the Holy Spirit and convict the sin on me, not go... Adriel, you're failing to be a man, but rather give me opportunities to help me uh, rise up. For example, um, Adriel, could you pray alongside with me? Uh, we haven't been praying for weeks, for example. So she's not going, I expected you to start this prayer. No, she doesn't do that. So we mutually learn to submit one another, putting our needs before each other. And together, um, it is with hopes that our marriage as a couple will flourish. That's our hopes, yeah. So that will end that on. Hmm. I don't know whether it would make sense to add this example of uh, how I see uh, Ephesians 5. So when it says husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands, um, I always think of this case study where we are talking about putting each other's interests uh, over uh, the other. And what if, for example, both a husband and wife were you know, working, having a career, and one day there are career opportunities for both of them, so maybe for the husband, uh, his career development is in the UK. And for the wife, her career de development is in the America. Where then, how then do you make that decision, right? Who mm. do you prioritize? Mm -mm. And how I see this passage being played out is, obviously there should be a lot of communication. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of weighing of pros and cons as a family. But at the end of the day, the woman kind of gives, the wife kind of gives the final decision for the husband to make. Yeah. 
Yeah. And hopefully the husband also makes a decision that sacrifices his own for the wife. Yeah, and, and I guess the true example between us is uh, both of us are starting on masters, and uh, like on the days where her masters uh, classes are on, I I told her straight up uh, I'll be the one that cooks, I'll be the one that cleans the house, so that that's my sacrifice on my end when I could have done other stuff, you know? Yeah. Mm. And the list can go on and on how you apply it in very very real situations on this whole relationship between husband and wife. Yeah, we're just starting out. Yeah. Ask older people. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on to the role or how women do ministry in church. I think that's quite an interesting one as no, well. Definitely. Maybe I'll start out with few clarifications, especially um, more to an egalitarian view. So there's a full spectrum on how women should serve in church, and different churches understand the Bible differently, and they they lift it out differently. Um, most churches are quite okay with women praying, even women prophesying because it's stated in the Bible. But when it comes to roles of leadership and preaching, then that's where there is a slight contention. Right. So I just want to point out that there are examples of women being, say, deacons, for example, Phoebe. In the passage of 1 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about you know the role of a deacon, what he should look like, and it goes further down. Um, and I do want to specify the passage, uh, 1 Timothy 3 verse 11, where it talks about how the woman or some uh, Bible translations would say their wives, yeah. the deacon's wives, should behave as well. And it's important to note that that Greek word for wives is a generic word for women, which could also be translated as the deaconesses. Mm. Yeah, so in a sense, it is possible for women to be deacons and if you do take the word the greek word for deacon it basically means servant right right, right? Yes, so you're you're correct. called to serve your church and maybe everyone is fighting would want to fight for the right to be you know called a deacon in leadership but i'm not sure how many people will be fighting for the right to be called a, a servant, servant. Yeah. yeah so that gives you a bit of context on what it's like to serve the church there's also other examples like romans 16 verse 7 which mentions Adronicus and Junia. Some Bible translators say Junias because they feel that if these two are outstanding among the apostles, as the verse says, then it should be a guy. <laughs> but if you look at the actual Greek word, Junia probably means a female, uh, yeah. a, a female's name. And if you put the two names together, they're probably husband and wife. And, and among the apostles doesn't mean, uh, does not need to mean that they are apostles. It just literally means I was just among the apostles, right? Uh, actually, I would beg to differ. Right. So definitely, they're not like the 12 apostles. Yeah. But how Paul sees it is quite likely that he recognizes their ministry as apostles. And uh, in that context, in Greek as well, uh, it, you, it basically means you're more of a missionary. Yeah. 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 So okay. again... It depends how you view what is an so, apostle. Small a apostle, not yeah. capital A, the one that witnessed with Christ. Yeah, yeah. not okay. the twelve. Yeah, not or the 12. plus Paul. Right. Yeah. So these are um, examples of women in prominent roles in church, serving alongside men. I do think we should look into one of the main contention verses, which is 1 Timothy 2 verse 11 to 12. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For years of years of contentions, right? And it's still going on up to today. 
Yeah. So there are many ways to look at it. Some are like, oh, you know, this is for wives. Uh, some are like, this is for all women. And uh, quietness means you should shut up and be silent. Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. quietness, uh, I, I hold the view because it makes a bit more sense. Uh, quietness is an attitude. So for example, when Paul talks about, you know, speaking in tongues and if no one translated, then you be quiet about it. Mm. Um, it's not like you, you totally don't talk yeah, anymore, correct, but right. you know, you, you take that approach that, okay, I'm going to take a step back. Yeah. Order of worship is for the love of the church. So, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And some people would argue that, oh, this is the context of that church that, you know, women were not educated back then. I would also not agree with that view because there were a lot of non-educated men there as well. Yeah. Um, and there were a few, even though not a lot, a handful of, you know, educated women who are prominent as well. Yeah. Um, so I would see this as a reinforcement of the order of what God created between men and women, especially husbands and wives. Right. So I would not see this as a blanket, all women submit to all men. <laughs> I'm not going to go around and submit to like, you know, all the guys in the world, but I do submit to my husband. Um, and I do uh, acknowledge the headship and I see this as uh, not taking an authoritative uh, position, especially in church. Having said that, the Bible doesn't say that women cannot teach at all. And if you look in Titus, you you see you know examples of older women being encouraged to teach young, younger women. Mm. And I do believe the call is for all to be able to correctly handle the word of truth. Mm. So as a woman, I don't see that as a cope out that oh you know I don't need to know my Bible. Um, I don't need to understand what Jesus has done for me and I just, you know, follow along. I don't see that as supported by what scripture says. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but I think establishing what the Bible says is one thing. How we live it out and how we practice it in church is another thing. Yeah, so how, how would it look like in a... How, do you, can you draw any key distinctives in your mind, a difference between a complementarian church and an egalitarian church? Yeah. So again, there's a full spectrum of how you apply it, yeah. but a complementarian church would see leadership as taken primarily by the men. Big decision making, especially in terms of, you know, how do you interpret scripture, so on and so forth. However, you should be able to still see women in all forms of ministry throughout the church, including preaching and teaching, because, well, most of the time, 50% of the congregation is female or sometimes even more. And there is a lot of room to teach fellow women. So that's how I would see a healthy complementarian church. A healthy egalitarian church would ensure that, you know, both genders flourish in the kingdom of God. And both genders have that opportunity to serve in the kingdom of God. And it is not limited to roles of authority either. So you do see things like women senior pastors right, right. or, you know, some churches work around by having one male, one female senior pastor. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and from what I'm hearing you is like, there is this thing where when we look at scripture biblically, it's almost as if, as if, um, egalitarian and complementarian, again, as if have more in common than its differences is just how they express the value and dignity of the other gender uh, has different words, mm. has different expression mm. in that sense. 
And I would like to um, acknowledge that sometimes that expression does explicitly uh, bring about a slightly different message. So earlier on, you mentioned patriarchal and stuff like that. You might, you know, by lip service say, yeah, we treat women all equally in church. Uh, and, you know, with, with all these authority positions, it is confined to the men, but we treat, you know, our women equally like created by God, so on and so forth. You may say it, but you may not actually live it out. Um, and there may even be cases in the church where women are still undermined. Yeah. I think one of the difficulty tends to be with the whole preaching and authority thing, especially right. preaching, because most of the time churches come together and they just clump everybody together. So you've got like men and women you know, sitting in the same place. And when that happens, they'll be like, oh, okay, if that's the case, only men can teach and preach because there are men listening, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. But um, what I've seen with a lot of healthy complementary churches is they do carve out space to ensure that women can grow, women can serve in ministry. So you see things like women conferences. Mm. You um, Some churches will actually, for certain age groups, the, the Bible studies or even the sessions are split according to gender, just so that you have women in leadership. And um, as a younger woman, it is not hard for me to find an older woman for guidance, for mentoring, or if I've got a question about the Bible, I don't have to go to a man because right. there are plenty of available women out there in ministry. And at the end of the day, both men and women are called to be sound in faith yep. and know their Bible. Yep. And uh, I just want to add on that uh, for me, I am what you call an incomplete complementarian. And here's my gripe, why I feel a lot of people react to the word complementarianism. Uh, it's because uh, when, you come, when you hear the word leadership and authority, they immediately have a world-like lens where people uh, exercise that kind of power on, or like for a better word, oppress, uh, oppressive idealism mm. on them. And so that's why they, they feel that it is impossible to uh, accept that idea of a uh, leader as a God-given role uh, rather than leader as someone, a servanthood leadership. Mm. One of the other things is why I'm not a full complimentary in that sense is because I came from a church where all its uh, leaders were females uh, and they want the man to rise up but there was oh, okay there was no man <laughs> to rise up so they had to hold the fort and because of that i've seen god's faithfulness which is very scriptural how the women within scriptures who are lonely and alone right god shower their grace on them uh samuel's mom uh ishmael's mom Right, they were kicked out, and they, one couldn't conceive, and all that. And yet, God still worked, and there were a lot of other female leaders like Deborah, Queen Esther, all who rose up to the role. And you see, in that sense, God has given that grace and authority uh, where the ideal is lacking. Matt Chandler says this: "Grace abounds even more." But uh, I mean, you can you can derive that derive that from the Bible. But yeah, that's his phrase. Yeah, picking up with your Deborah, you were saying that you know there's no one in church for Deborah. There was no man in the whole nation <laughs> so she had to kind of you know, do it correct correct and i guess we're coming towards an end because um, again there's, there's not there's so many things we could cover but there's not enough time for everything what i would like how you guys how you would end is i want you to share your hopes for our listeners on what are you expecting them to derive from this yep um i'll start by a quote from well i was having a conversation with a former student and she was attending a uh, an egalitarian church in malaysia she went to study 
in overseas and she went to a complementarian church there and we were talking about how she's coming back will she have like reverse culture shock when she comes back to church and here's what she said she said honestly no because um she feels that there for a healthy com- complementarian church and a healthy egalitarian church there is a lot more in common compared to an unhealthy complementarian church Right. And then that makes you think what is a healthy, you know, complementarian church. For me there are two markers. Um number 1, are your women flourishing in ministry in church? Number 2, as a younger woman, do you have available older women that you can look up to in guidance in prayer, in life, in teaching and preaching of the scripture? Um if your church is complementarian but still has all that I would say you're a healthy complementarian church. Right, right. But if you hold the view, oh, you know, we're biblical and complement, but you don't see these marks in your church, right? Then I would, you know, I would ask you to check. Yeah, that's <laughs> you good. know how that's how you're yeah. you're running your church. Yeah. Um, one more thing I would say to the men <laughs> is, don't look at your role of leadership as a privilege, but look at it as responsibility, and. Sometimes I really value when I see in a complementarian church in the moment of crisis whatever happens in church the men take the responsibility to bear the brunt of the crisis to to settle it and you know get down and dirty and do the ugly stuff. Um that to me is leadership as what is called by God in the Bible. Uh, not so much the you know enforcing of power yeah. uh I get to make the decision yeah. you know I get to choose Correct, yeah. correct. But uh, take a take a bigger lens out is at the end of the day, um, each and every one of a body of within the church is building up and edifying one another. Mm. Is it need not to be uh, just uh, purposely say this is a male and this is a female kind mm. of thing. And acknowledging that we are all sinful and we are all saved by Christ, and be, in true that we are called to a restored relationship with one another. Oh, amen. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I guess that's what, uh, thank you so much, uh, Yanping, uh, for sharing your hopes, your thoughts. And I hope that you guys also take the time to um, meditate on it, to think about how your church does certain things, not for you to go against, but for you to have a discourse with your church leaders and whatnot, for you to understand where you stand, uh, but all most importantly, always fall back to scriptures. Um, this is Malaysian Christian Talks. My name is Adriel and this is Yan Ping. Uh, well, I'll see you guys in the next one. Catch ya.